0: Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. You're tuned in listening to the Cinematic Odyssey here on U92 The Moose. Uh, Max and I, we're going to be talking about a film called The Ascent. But before we get into that, it's good to be back. Uh, last week, good time. It was a good time talking about that. Um, now we're getting into a
1: wholly
0: different, uh, totally different, I, I would say 180 in terms of the thematic content and the film uh, and what it's about. I mean, this is a Soviet anti-war film that came out in the 70s from um, a well-respected Soviet filmmaker who sadly passed away at the age of like 35. She was young.
2: She was, I believe, 40.
0: Oh, okay, 40. 40. Either way, she was very young, and we're mm-hmm. going to be talking about her final film called *The Ascent*. It came out in seventy-seven. Uh, she is married to Ilem Klimov, who, who has made the who I th- what I think is the greatest film I've ever seen in my life. Uh, come and see. I've we've mentioned it at least. I've mentioned it on the podcast a few times in the past. We still haven't talked about it or reviewed it yet. Um simply because it's a very harrowing film to watch. But, you know, well, at some point we'll talk about it. But either way, The Ascent. Um, You know, first impressions for me. I loved it. I was very moved uh, by the film. It's not a very... Uh, how do I put it? It's not a very harrowing film to watch. It's more like... It's a very spiritual film in essence and there's a lot of there's there's a lot of allegory well specifically uh messianic allegories uh to Christ with one of the characters and the other one being Judas and that's pretty pretty clear but um I guess the story and the story of f- liberation um from their captors though that being the Nazis and, you know, the various other elements that take place in this film, because this, this is taking place during World War II. Um So it's a very dense film, but extremely beautiful. And um, it's something that you gotta, like, let it just take you and let it kind of marinate in your mind and in your heart. It's not something you can just you know, put on and uh, you watch it, and you expect it to move. You, you have to be involved, um, and you can't necessarily be distracted by anything. That's for sure. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, we're picking a lot of downers recently.
2: <laughs> I mean, besides Swiss Army Man, we haven't. It's not. It, it's been a while since we've had a. Uh, you know. Uh, cheery, happy-go-lucky film, but, uh, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I was, I was also impressed, uh, with the film, and I, I, it was a little bit, it was more than I was expecting, it's, I mean, I get the, I get the idea of the, the Christ-like symbolism, um, in it, I, that's not what I came away with it, with, that wasn't my main takeaway, was more the spirit of patriotism, the spirit of what it means to be a Soviet, what it means to be fighting for the war. I mean, I... I I'll i be honest.
1: I thought it was an incredibly partisan piece, and, like, it... It, it, it attacks
2: other, like, the Nazi Party and uh, specifically the Germans as this other... And says, this is why it's so good to be a Soviet. This is what being a Soviet is all about. Um, This, and and we'll get into the Judas character, but that is what a Soviet is not about. And it it felt incredibly patriotic. And uh, I'm not going to say nationalistic, but I'm going to say, you know... Nationally proud. This is our identity. This is who we are. And it it, it kind of lays that out for for us to kind of just take in on, on how they view themselves. It's a very prideful piece, I would say.
0: Yeah, most certainly. I mean, I the reason I kind of have <clears throat> the interpretation that I do because there's a lots of shots with our. The two main characters, uh, Sotnikov and Rybak, um, the two Soviet soldiers who are on this mission to find food for their like group of people, you know, both soldiers and like women and children alike, who are fleeing. I think they're they're kind of they're trying to rendezvous with a a, a much bigger platoon, I suppose, or company or whatever. So they can get to safety wherever they're going. Um, uh, but but I believe is it is it because um, I know when they begin their journey, and by the way, it's like in the middle middle of Russian winter, so it's you know, terrible weather, it's freezing, snow everywhere, just it's not it's not uh if you wanna live, it's not what you want to be outside. <laughs> If you're trying to. If you're trying to survive, that's not where you want to be. Uh, but anyways, uh, when they started off their journey, uh, which which soldier was it that said he was like a rifleman? Was it Reebok or Sotnikov?
3: It was Reebok, oh, well,
0: right? I think so. Yeah, he was like the uh, this the trained soldier, whereas Sotnikov was like a teacher beforehand. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, because, like, you know, if if, for those that don't know, a lot, uh, a majority of the Soviet army, the Red Army, was comprised of like just anybody they could that could fight. It was basically like the equivalent to the rebel army in um, the American Revolution, like with the Americans, like the Minutemen. Like farmers yeah. and stuff, literally. <laughs> like, are the the soldiers that are fighting? I mean, you had the trained ones as well. Obviously, like in the Soviet case, there was trained soldiers, but uh, there was a, a good amount of people that were fighting that were not even trained. They were just like everyday working class people, and they comprised of these groups called partisans or part yeah partisans, um, and. They are like kind of nomadic soldier soldiers in a way. They're not really tied to a general, it didn't seem like. They're just kind of wandering around Russia or like the Eastern Bloc and, you know, killing any Nazis they may see. It's just kind of, they're, it seems like they're on a never-ending journey of liberation and trying to find safety. Um, I mean in some instances like in Come and See the partisan group that we do uh, lay our eyes on they do go to battle specifically they go to a battle Um, but in this case uh, this group they're just kind of walking to a destination and they're running out of food and it's cold and it's comprised of like women and children and and soldiers as well. So there's that's that's important to, I think, important context for like what we're what we see in the film and how the how like these characters are shot, specifically Sotnikov. and there's lots of, I, I think, religious imagery um with him, specifically messianic imagery. Like with the lighting, these close-ups of his face that we see throughout the film, um, and the music, too, that plays as we see him fi- and see his face. And he goes through these trials, these tribulations in the film that are somewhat mirrored to what Christ uh, had to go through. And he event... Well, spoiler alert, he dies. Um, (laughs) but he never, he never compromises his own soul, his own life to save himself, to save his life, whereas his counterpart, uh, does sell his soul to the, to the devil, that being the Nazis, in order to save his own life, that being a Judas, um, so... That's that's how I get that uh, interpretation from that I like from it. the film. But I mean,
2: I absolutely get it.
0: I mean, yeah i i I can see your mm. I can see your perspective mm. as well. That makes sense.
2: It's it's it's. I think your the the interpretation that you've got is just taking it a step further. Because, like, the idea of it being patriotic and patriotism is, you know. I would die without compromising my beliefs. Oh, but to do so in a selfless manner. Oh, who else compromised their didn't die without compromising their beliefs while having a friend who did, and basically turned them in. I mean, it, it, it's a reasonable leap, and like that is that's one of the reasons. Like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go full history. Like, that's one of the reasons that this film was really, really under heavy scrutiny. By censors. They wanted to get rid of a ton of scenes. Um before this, this this film was ever produced and released to the public.
1: Um But what they kind of what they were able to do, um our director,
2: uh, remind me of her name real quick. Larissa
1: Shapitko. Larissa,
2: Larissa yes Shapitko. Larissa Shapitko female director, we we must note, in, in Soviet Russia in the 70s. um, He showed the film, as it was, as it has been released, as we saw it, to top Communist Party official in the Belarusian Communist Party. Uh, and he went in thinking this is going to be some silly, goofy, effeminate guess at patriotism and what the Communist Party stands for. Uh, Twasn't. Um, the secretary was greatly moved by the piece. Uh, he could not tear himself away from the screen. By the middle of the movie, he was crying without hiding from the uh, Republic's leaders. He then went up on the stage in which the film was being presented and and, uh, spoke for 40 minutes. Um, uh, a good speech by the, the words of uh, Klimov, who was there
1: to to hear it. Um, the quote is: uh, "We have. A, I actually have a quote from him.
2: Where did this girl come from? Who, of course, experienced nothing of the sort, but knows all about it. How could she express it like this?" <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> we've got the light. We've got the the light misogyny, but like the, the, the just kind of shock and awe that a woman could make such a beautiful (laughs) work of art. Egad. So so bad. Like, this is also the part where Russians uh, or Soviet censors are really starting to chill out a little bit. um, Because they they, they saw it as a religious film that was loosely tied to patriotic uh, communist sentiments rather than it being a partisan film and not mentioning religion, because, as we know, Soviet Union was like, state atheism, please. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, this is 77, so it's... We're approaching the terms of Gorbachev and and cleaning house and kind of cooling down and really reaching the end of the Cold War. This is post-Stalin, post-Khrushchev, where they were all really... You know, you've got to be either really pro-communist or your stuff's not getting released, period. Because we need to make ourselves look strong, we need to make ourselves look good. There can't be any any flaws in the image that we create. And that kind of, the time in which it, it, it is released allows, allowed the film to kind of be in its glory what it is. Because I think that a censored version, you take any one of these scenes out, Makes it a worse movie, yeah. Because you don't get these these beautiful shots, this beautiful arc, this beautiful story.
1: You, you're left with kind of this, I guess, patchwork of death
2: that doesn't really have much behind it.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's. I mean, I I don't know. I guess maybe, I don't know. Maybe
0: I didn't necessarily see the, I mean, it's obviously pro-Soviet, anti-Nazi. I mean, no duh, but um, I don't know. I guess the religious aspect of it was so prominent to me. I don't know. I guess that was kind of my main takeaway from the film that made it, at least for me, so moving and so powerful um and i th- you know obviously, I think the patriotism aspect of it it certainly plays a role in in the power of the film as as far as like that that guy
1: his reaction to it when he watched it mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I don't know, I mean. It's a film, it's a film about,
0: well, I mean, it's a film about the people. And that's kind of like from the Soviet films that we have talked about, you know, this and Soykuba and uh, Andrei Rubliov. although yeah. that one's kind of an exception because that one's about, that one is an, an, very historical. Fi- yeah, well, that one, yeah, but also about a historical figure. But like this and Soy Cuba, you know these two films. They have the same like in terms of they have the same approach in terms of the way that they uh, um, show the people that are going through these things. Um, you know, and in this case, it's World War Two and their oppressors, the Nazi, not Nazi Germany um are kind of like a constant occupying force because we see multiple different people that are not involved in the war they're just kind of like they're you know we see this one old couple who live in a house uh, on the outskirts of a village and then we meet a woman and her like three children in a in their house um in a village and because you know the our two protagonists are trying to find food for their their group and we get we first get this get this uh, notion that you know that there are people that are kind of s- selling selling their souls so to speak to kind of spare their own lives for the nazis and we actually do see Soviet people, Russians, we see Russians working for the Nazis. Yeah, And one guy in particular, and he's like such a, he's such an like evil dude. He's such an evil man. The things that he, you know, we learned that what he did before the war started, he was also a teacher. He was like a professor or something like that, I believe. And Now, under the conditions of the war, he's, you know, basically like a Gestapo, like, officer, essentially, um, to catch Soviet soldiers in the area. To either kill them or, you know, threaten them so much to scare them into working for him and for the Nazis as a whole. Um, Talking about
2: the, um, the interviewer in the, uh, once they get captured, right?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you're,
2: he does just, he just oozes
0: evil. What's his name? Drips Uh, off the screen. Portnov? Yeah, Portnov.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, see, that was, I I don't think that was clicking for me, because I'm like, either. Either all the German soldiers learned Russian in order to communicate effectively with these prisoners, or, and this, this one did not click into mind, though it's way easier, that's a Russian dude. That no, makes, he's so, a much that he's makes so much more sense. That yeah, makes so much more sense, especially Russian. with the idea of selling out.
0: Yeah, cuz we see that that theme like play out throughout the entire film. And it comes to a head at the end obviously, but you know, we see these Russians who are literally like siding with the Nazis, the enemy, the devil essentially, and are actively destroying the lives of their fellow countrymen so they can make their lives a little bit easier. And they're missing the the whole point. They're missing the whole point of what it means to be a human. Because I think it's mo- I think it's more beyond. I think it's just beyond like being a Soviet or being a communist or being a Russian. It's more about like being a human being and like having decency. Because um, that's kind of repeated with the times that we see him on screen and his conversations, interactions with uh, the main characters. Um because they constantly tell him like, you know, where's your humanity? Find your decency, yeah. you know? Um He
2: keeps I mean he refers to everybody as scum. Low the earth, worse than humanity, inhuman dirt. You're 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 nothing but a stain on the bottom of my shoe.
0: Yeah, and that's crazy. Yeah, that's insane. Cause it's like he's actively like I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine doing that, you know, to your own countrymen. You know, what Americans.
2: I mean? t- Americans today would call that treason.
3: Yeah,
1: treason, that's tra- tra- trading,
2: traitor, betrayal. Quite literally, saying nope, I'm out. For your own country, switching sides and then actively trying to hurt
3: it—that
2: that's yeah. textbook treason.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Better and... hope that Germany wins the war; otherwise, you're going to be dead just two years later.
0: <laughs> well, he he did die,
2: <laughs> probably. Well, he died inside. That's for darn sure.
0: Yeah, he yeah he sold his soul to the Nazis. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big death already. Death oh, of yeah. character.
1: <laughs> Death of dignity. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's it's crazy how
0: how much they sign like how selfish they can get. But like it's so interesting because they simultaneously they, you know, they treasure their own life so much. So much to the point where it's like, alright, I'm willing to do whatever is necessary
1: to stay alive. And. And I think that's what kind of that's what war.
0: Kind of that that mentality of what war and and being in war kind of breeds is like surviving that's surviving at all costs. Because, you know, no one wants to die. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. People, you know, we're naturally like, "Okay, we want to survive in every situation possible. Like that's just kind of in our nature is to to be alive as long
1: as we possibly can. and And I think where the anti-war
0: stance gets into play is is
1: analyzing that specific thread <clears throat> And
0: um, yeah, like diving, yeah. diving into, into gets, like examining
2: that. It gets a little bit closer to martyrdom in that sense of not just being oh, oh, ac- accepting death. Not like you're at the end of a terminal illness and you're like, "Well, it's gonna happen soon," and then you're now okay oh, yeah.
3: with
2: it. Yeah, it, it's more of a decision to do so. And to do so at the at the cost of your life to lay down your life for for your beliefs, yeah. whether we take the 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 um, religious symbolism and say that it is Christ like that uh, he died, that Sotnikov dies for um, everybody else, and and it's that selfless. I stand up for what I believe in. It, it's what has to happen to keep my dignity. But it's also that that I will place my country, I will place my allegiance in my in my flag, over my value of my life, and it's it, you know it's very very similar to um, Japanese kamikaze pilots, the and, and like a suicide bomber in which you would place your loyalty in your nation or your religion. Over that of your own life. Screw what happens to me. I'm doing this because this is what's right for my country. Or this is what's right for my faith. I. There are. Almost 8 billion people in the world. There are not that many. Who would make that choice. Yeah. There are yeah. not that many.
0: Yeah. Because I mean. You know. We see the actions of Sotnikov. And we'll... You know, I think uh, a lot of people watching this would say, oh, yeah, I would definitely do that, you know.
2: But I'll be honest.
0: But obviously, you know, in that situation, I think a lot of people would chicken out and be like, all right, I'll just I'll stay alive. I'll do whatever is necessary.
2: (laughs) I, I know I would. I know for a fact that I would. When which gotta, i mean isn't that
0: but that's like kind of that's sad to say though
2: yeah you know i mean it it, it is and and if, you know feel if, if we want to reflect on that like to know that you're one who values life above all others above all other things
1: it, it's just kind of an interesting thought because it's it's quite
2: simple as to who it if if I'm to answer the question, who am I going willing to die for? That's hopefully a question I never have to answer. But if I do have to answer it, I'm quite worried that the answer is nobody and nothing. Um a very selfish, self self absorbed answer there. But it's it's at least how I'm feeling now. Like if you look up I look up at, you know. Figures who die for their faith or for their country, in in brave, noble ways. You know, Joan of Arc, that sort of deal.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I
1: think that's impressive. Never could do that.
3: Yeah, and I I'm, mean. No,
1: you were gonna say can finish, no. I was uh... not.
0: No, what? I, well, yeah. I mean, I was gonna say though, like. To your point, I mean, those those types of people that do those things are extraordinary. They are out of the ordinary, you know, yeah. And
2: not to condone actions, but to m- mention that they are in the select few of people who who do
0: yeah, no, they they are willing to. Um, well, I mean, in the case of Joan of Arc and in Sotnikov's case, he—they are—they were both willing to to maintain their humanity and their integrity, despite knowing that they are going to die. Yes, you know, they sacrifice their own life for others, and that—that's like the m- most Christ-like thing that you could do. Um as a human being and I think that's why the way that he's shot like with these close-ups with the lighting the music like he's very very clearly shot in a way to kind of evoke this messianic
1: imagery Um, and I think it's utterly beautiful um, very powerful because I, yeah, I, mean, uh, I mean, on
0: the the poster on the poster of the film, you you know, Shapit uh, Shapitko, Sotnikov is his head is there. He's looking up at the sky, and then I mean, it's literally called the ascent. The film is called the ascent, the ascension, the ascension to the heaven. Yeah, you
3: know.
2: I mean, <laughs> it's right right there. There. I did. I'd be honest with you. I didn't really know what I was looking at until I'm like, oh, they're just they're walking up the hill. They're walking up the hill to the place where they will be killed.
3: Yeah,
0: and Jesus walked up the hill or mount. I forget what it's yeah. called. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: You no, know,
2: that's exactly what I was gonna say yeah. too. You know, carry your cross. I mean, he's been shot, so he's obviously not at a hundred percent. Yep. Um, climbing up to basically just, you know, set yourself up to die.
0: And, you know, I gotta mention, too, he wasn't the only one that died, either.
2: No, you're right.
0: And so, you know, we have three other people who got killed. We have a, that the old man that I mentioned earlier, who lived in his house with his wife, who was accused, he was accused by... Um, Reebok he was accused by R- Reebok as a man who's who worked for the Nazis and they, they didn't kill him they just stole one of his sheep and they left um, and so we're left with that information to kind of come back full circle later in the film and then they uh, get in a firefight with a group of Nazis who are just kind of wandering around on a road. Um, Stodnikov kills one of them, although in the process he gets shot. Nazis run away, um, and then they get to another, like, little house, um, homestead, where this woman, um, by the name of uh, Demchika? 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 I
2: believe that's, yeah. And she had a second name, but that's the one that uh, the Soviets call her. that Sotnikov and Rebecca uh, call her.
0: Yeah. And so we see, we meet her and her family. Her husband is fighting off in the war on the front lines, as she says. And, you know, she has a couple of children. And she's a little upset that they showed up. Because, as we soon find out, a group of Nazi soldiers show up at her house getting like food and stuff um and sotnikov and Reebok they hide in like her attic or whatever, and yes. he sneezes or he coughs, he coughs or sneezes, whatever, and then the Nazis find him. find them. And they take both him, they take both of them and her away. So her children are like they're alone now. They're just left alone. Nobody there. And...
2: Bonus. We'll call those bonus casualties. Um. But the other thing about the uh, capture of Reba and um, Sotnikov is Sotnikov knows at this point that he's probably gonna die soon. Like he's just—he's been shot. He's bleeding. He's tired. He's stuck in the cold. I mean, he honestly he was contemplating suicide. Wait, was it him or was it Reebok who was contemplating suicide? They took their boot nose.
3: Yeah, was, it was, Sonico. Sonico. It was He took his
2: boot off and he was going to shoot himself with his rifle.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. Does not. Uh. And, yeah. It's not that he failed, but it's that he does not mm. do so. Reebok kind of comes in, saves him. But the uh. Sodnikov at this point knows he's going to die. Reebok is like, I'm still kicking. I'm going to do everything I need to. Reebok is the one who surrenders. He puts his hands up first. Mm-hmm. He he shouts out, "Don't shoot!" Because the the Nazi, he's about to just empty a machine gun into the loft. It'll <laughs> yeah. kill them both.
3: Yeah.
2: Instead, he pleads for mercy. Which then, in turn, buys him the chance to turn over on his country, which in turn then buys him a few extra years of life. Sotnikov doesn't. I mean, he still dies like a day later, but like,
3: yeah,
0: it
2: bought it bought him that extra day, I guess.
0: And um, but
2: Sotnikov was not willing to.
0: Yeah, and we haven't mentioned Reebok has these like daydreams or visions of him like trying to flee. From his captors, yes, and it
1: in in each time he gets shot and killed <laughs> and he's like he's uh he's
0: refusing to accept his fate, you know, he's refusing to accept this real- the reality of the situation that he's in. It's a hopeless
1: situation. Um, yeah, and yeah, he lives with that fear of death that I think, you know, in war,
0: I don't know, I mean, when you're in war, I feel like you just kind of have to live with that, that possibility of you dying, you know? Yeah, agreed. So. But either way, um, and it's funny too because he's the soldier. He's the Soviet soldier. Sonikov's not. He's a teacher. He was teaching yeah. for this. He had no idea. He had no idea how to use a gun properly. I mean, the guy was literally teaching children like a couple years ago. You know. Um. So it's like it's it's interesting how how uh, that Larissa kind of. Throws that, I guess, on its head. Um, like with with regards to I, because I don't know, I don't know, like the cultural, um, like you know, obviously in America, v- our troops are very uh are put on a <clears throat> put on a pedestal and whatnot. We're a very patriotic nation in that regard, but I don't know if that was like the same way in in the ussr like with regards to the way they saw their soldiers i would assume so
2: i'm not sure though i don't know if it's seeing the soldiers as in this in this way because everybody's a soldier that's true
0: yeah
3: and so
2: to look look, to hold the soldiers on the pedestal is to hold the nation on the pedestal yeah that's true which is where 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 it comes back to that yeah hashtag nationalism
0: hashtag
2: nationalism <laughs> that's, that's what we're that's what we're gonna title this episode hashtag nationalism
0: uh, although i don't know if i would call like this film nationalistic
1: though really i don't
3: think i don't think so
1: i mean i mean i mean
2: it 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 i mean the ending of reebok back in the in the the uh camp uh attempting to take again. I, I'm going to call it the coward's way out to hang himself with his belt in the porta potty. Ah, uh, sorry, the outhouse. It's not a porta potty. It's made <laughs> yeah, of like Andy, Gump, Andy Gump. The it, Andy Gump. It's made of sticks. Like it's not <laughs> a porta potty. But <laughs> Reebok attempting to hang himself in the in the. I'm going to say it again. In the porta potty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Andy Gump. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he, he already regrets the decision that he made because now he kind of understands the consequences okay I'm alive I didn't hang on the top of that hill oh now everybody who is still loyal to the to the Russian army and the Soviet the Soviet cause uh, thinks that I am a traitor side note I am uh, and <laughs> <laughs> Plus, if I try to escape or live or do anything that I'd like to do, uh, rather than following the whims of the Germans who I don't like and did not sign up to fight for, uh, I'll get killed. Uh, so I am now technically instead of being dead, for my country nobly, I am now. How do I say? Eff- how do I say effed in a radio-friendly way? <laughs> uh, screwed. Uh, screwed. Toast. <laughs> Uh, kaputt.
0: Oh, kaputt.
2: That's a German word, by the way. It means broken. Oh, really? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Du bist yeah. kaputt. You are broken. Yeah. But the uh, I mean, he he traps himself in a worse prison, and
2: the the stance of the film to say, okay, yeah, you could die for being a soviet but this existence for reebok afterwards is misery and it is worse because he's rolled over on everything he believes in and he's rolled over on everything that he's known and again he's probably gonna die because like this is what 43 44 probably i mean at the Mm -hmm. earliest it's 41 and he's bought himself like four more years if that before the moment Soviets moment. are like you all, you all were traitors and rolled over on, on the nation. You're dead, and then it's execution <laughs> yeah. by firing squad, just like in the end of like JoJo Rabbit.
1: Like execution by firing squad.
2: Yeah, which in which, by the way, not a noble way to go. That's like one of the worst ways to go, I would think. Although it's quick and painless, no. But it it also fits in with his uh, visions, you know. Yeah, that that is true. That's true. I I tried to escape. The Germans will do it. If I stay,
1: my own people will do it back to me.
0: And it's like, you know, he's like, what's the point of, like, debate? Just, I don't know. I don't see, I mean, yeah, you're, you, you, you sold your soul. And then you're kind of you re he realizes it too. Cause again, he tries to kill himself and, and then he's like, I mean, did he not think of, he obviously didn't think of this
1: before, before saying, actually, I'm going to work for you guys. Yeah. Um, he, but yeah, no. Yeah. Cause he gets behind Sutnikov and his idea of I'm going
2: to sacrifice myself. I'll say it was me who killed the German soldier. It was. But I'll say it was me, and we'll try and let you four go free. Because, yep. by the way, the bonus... There's one more person we haven't talked about who is also hanged.
3: Yeah, we haven't uh, mentioned her yet.
2: It's like a, yeah. twel- a 12-year-old Jewish girl um, who is being harbored by a, a, a Russian family. And she is found, and she is taken into that same prison, and she is also hanged side by side, Sotnikov and uh,
1: Demchika.
0: And uh, the old man. And the old man. The village elder.
1: Yes. Um... And
2: Sotnikov's like, I will sacrifice myself, they'll hang me, they'll let you four go free. As soon as that offer, as soon as that confession has been rejected. And part of this, I think, is fueled by Sotnikov knowing he's going to
1: die regardless, Mm -hmm. just based on his gunshot wound. Yeah. But he still doesn't. The moment that it fails, Reebok tries to save his own skin. Immediately, too. Like, the guy hasn't even turned all the way around.
2: (laughs) Portnov is not even left the vicinity. Like, he hasn't taken a step, and Reebok's like, wait, just <laughs> a damn second.
0: I'll, 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 I'll turn myself in.
3: I'll work for you.
2: <laughs> I will do whatever you want. I will clean your boots every night. Just please don't hang me right I'll now. Lick,
0: I'll lick your boots every night.
2: <laughs> I, got, I got, like, taxes and stuff. Please don't. Please don't do it. If you want to hang me next Thursday, it? that'll work better. oh brother i mean i'll be honest if this if this film went on like alternate ending i'd like to see like 20 more minutes of reebok attempting to kill himself in increasingly worse ways uh and failing every time because he doesn't (laughs) get to bail himself out of this and then he does die by firing squad like, I feel like that's the most fitting end to this possible. Because, like, he he gave it up. I mean, it goes kind of, it's like the the full waiting for Godot. Well, if we hang ourselves, the rope is too thin and we'll fall. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get a better rope. We have a better rope. Oh, the tree's too thin, it'll snap. We're so screwed. Oh, okay, now the tree is strong and the rope is strong. Uh, now the tree's too short. I'm standing on the ground. <laughs> like, I, I, kinda, I would, I would actually pay for like deleted scenes of this just turning into a buddy comedy, a, a black comedy where where Reebok just attempts to die several times
3: and fails, and then gets yeah. killed by firing squad.
2: <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, that still drives home the point of. And I mean, if you want it, you want to go back to the biblical stuff. You know what Judas did after Jesus died? Yeah,
0: he committed suicide.
2: By hanging. Darn right. Yeah.
0: Right. It was either that or poison. Unless oh no, hanging. Another. I'm thinking of another uh,
2: disciple. I think he he hung himself.
1: Or somebody so like, else killed themselves by a poison. I forget who. Probably one of the Bar- Bartholomews. Bartholomew?
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're passing out New Testament today. Here, I'll go check. But the... Uh, I mean... It still would have got the point across of... A life with no principles, is not a life at all. A life with no country is not a life at all.
3: Mm.
1: Mm. So, okay, I mean, I, alright, that makes sense. I can see the nationalistic angle.
0: I can see it. I can see it. But I, mean, I don't think that's, like, the main thing, though.
1: It. I mean, it... It's You're probably right,
2: but it wouldn't have been released if there wasn't this nationalist angle. Like, it, it wouldn't have been released in the Soviet Union,
1: as it is, if it didn't have enough of a reason to get behind that. Yeah, yeah. The Soviets it... are not exploring love. Well, I mean,
0: I mean the great... Well, the greatest Russian filmmaker who's ever lived, Andrei Tarkovsky. I mean, he made Andrei Rubliov, and that's like a very spiritual, religious film. And that was, that came out in the previous decade. Yeah. But... I, th- I think, I think that, that was probably an exception because of it, since it was a historical figure, a Russian, and an important Russian,
1: um, historical figure. I don't know, though, but, I mean, like, as we mentioned,
0: or at least as I mentioned in the uh, Andrei Rubliov episode, Tarkovsky was a Christian, and despite, you know, the, the Soviet censorship with regards to religion, his, all of his films had a religious angle to it. Had some allegory or theme related to spirituality. Um, And he managed to bypass Soviet censors by the way that he made his films.
2: Not really bypass. I mean, Andrei Rublev was censored. Uh, There are several versions of the film in existence. It was not released in the Soviet Union under the doctrine of state atheism until years later. It was made in sixty it was made in like sixty six. But it didn't actually debut in the Soviet Union until seventy one. And that version's heavily censored. Oh okay. because I mean I mean of course it is. But uh, the, the Russians have always been that kind of way with art and, and stuff like that. Cause like I, I've been reading Chekhov plays and he's Russian. He's working late 1800s. This is okay. before the Soviet Union even exists. Yeah. And there are little notes in the in the line. This line was excised by the censor and replaced with line that is not objectionable. And it's like wow. this. It's like the most innocuous thing. It's like I'm going to dinner now. This line was uh, <laughs> <just> <laughs> changed with. I'm going to dinner with my big Soviet flag on my chest. <laughs> like, Hello, brother. It's, it's, it's not even, like, the most amazing things. It's just, like, the little things that could possibly hint to, like, the West being better or anything like that.
1: Mm. They were always it, big on but, censorship.
0: But it's funny because it's, like, I don't know. I mean, Christianity, it's not really, I mean, yeah, it's a Western... Religion, but it's not like Russians are. A, it's not an Eastern country. I would consider Russia a Western nation. Fair, you know, but or I mean, though or or a country like it's not really bound by Eastern or Western uh, category. It's kind of just like Russian literature, Russian filmmaking, thought, yeah. philosophy. It's kind of its own thing, isolated yeah, but- from. Right. The West or the East.
2: But, you know, Christianity underwent that same degree of censorship, that belief. I mean, the early days of Christianity, I mean, first 300 years of this religion, it's whispers and hearsay until Constantine.
0: Oh, yeah. The um, nice. No, what is it? The edict of.
1: Not Milan. Is it Milan? No. No. Maybe, no. Back to
2: world history, (laughs) but it was it was a big big baddie Constantine. Not baddie like he was a bad guy, but baddie like he was hot. But um,
0: it is Edict of Milan. (laughs) Heck yeah, thirteen thirteen or three thirteen eighty three thirteen eighty.
2: But it took him three hundred years to actually like not be persecuted entirely. Yeah, for your big, for sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, In they're the good. Soviets, they're, the Roman Empire, the Soviets are going after everybody. I mean, the Roman, I mean, if you want to, I mean, how often do we talk about the Roman Empire on this podcast? <laughs> zero <laughs> times, yeah, zero times. Number one, here we go. I mean, time. the Romans? They were like, you know, we're gonna listen, we're gonna treat the emperor as a god. And if you don't think the emperor is a god, we'll kill you. We'll kill you where you stand. We'll kill you dead. Familiar? <laughs> Sounds familiar. <It's, laughs> I mean, it's, it's what we've been talking about. It's the, it's the, it's the Soviet way. <laughs> it's, the, it's the, you know, treat your country, treat your your leaders above all else. I mean, that's why Stalin died. Stalin died of, like, an easily preventable heart attack, but, or, like, a stroke, but no one would go near him for, like, eight hours because they were too scared that he would yell at them for not working hard enough or something like that. (laughs) He died because he inspired fear in everybody.
0: Oh, man. Like. But, uh, well, I don't know if it was, like, come on, I don't think Soviet citizens were, like, idolizing their prime ministers or whatever of them wanted it like
1: that but <laughs> well yeah but i don't i don't think i don't think like
0: yeah it's not like north korea where you know people are, are actively forced to worship the kim family or the yeah or not the kim family the the eel whatever you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah like, the kim dynasty right is that their last
2: name kim yeah it is yeah that's them but the, uh, I mean, it, it's the same in modern modern China and Russia. Like, yes, they're not actively worshipping Putin and uh, Xi. But, uh, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody saying something negative about him.
1: <laughs> well, because, like,
2: It'd be a little you know, difficult.
0: current it? Russia, eager Russia. Yeah, I mean,. It's a fascist yeah. state. I mean, it's pretty much I mean, a fascist state where those poor people are, like, kind of forced into a corner where Putin is absolute power. I mean, the guy literally uh, altered the Russian constitution so he could stay in power. Yeah. I mean, if that's not, like, dictator move 101, then what else is?
2: Yeah. But <laughs> you know? but to believe... To bring it like nationalistically, like yeah, they don't. It's not like the the silencing of dissenting opinions uh, in in the Soviet Union in this the era of the film, the seventies or the World War Two ending part. But it's that fervent belief that your country is superior and that it is best, and that it is. It, I mean, maybe not even that it is best, but it's yours, and yeah. you don't want that taken over by some other group who has no respect for your traditions. Uh, not, I, I can't be possibly talking about anything else besides this, right? Native American groups uh, being forced to Americanize or any immigrant coming to America ever. Mm-hmm. I can't possibly have been referring to anything else. <laughs> right? Right? We don't do that really? here in America. Yeah,
3: We're no, of course not. really chill. Yeah.
2: Like today? <laughs> Just like ever. I mean, come on. Nobody's perfect. Oh, man. No, let's let that be the tagline of this episode. Nobody's perfect. Dictatorships. Nobody's perfect.
1: (laughs) But we can try. Oh, God.
3: Oh, man.
0: (laughs) But, uh... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, sure, sure. <laughs> the ascent, Yeah. nationalistic question mark. Yeah. It's certainly a proud film. It's a proud film.
1: Yes, that's a good uh, word.
0: Yeah, I do. I do want to see the director of Soy Cuba, his other works like, uh,
1: um. Prane, the cranes are flying, and then letter never sent. Um,
0: because I, th- I mean, you know, with with Soviet filmmaking, at least the the main state sponsored film that I can think of off the top of my head that is like widely considered to be, um. I think it was probably hailed as their most important work. I mean, we're we're talking about like War and Peace. War and Peace, Leo Tolstoy's, you know, not a uh, masterwork, magnum opus, like one of the greatest novels ever written. And they made they made War and Peace. Um, this director by the name of Sergei Bondarchuk. He created. He directed four films. Four four films to basically tell the whole story of war and peace. Oh God. And it was, it's incredible. It's amazing. It's amazing. Max. It's amazing.
1: I bet.
2: I mean, there's a modern, I have it.
0: I have it on the, the criterion collection. It's on the channel. I think.
1: Ooh. I mean, Um. it's a mix. But the thing is, that's such a dense
2: story. Like I have the book. Um, There is a musical out, came out in 2017, Natasha, Pierre, and the Great Comet of 1812, that is, it's based on War and Peace. It is like a two and a half hour sung through musical that covers 70 pages of the book. That's it? 70 pages? It it can't do any (laughs) more. It literally can't do any more if you unless you want to stay in the theater until you die. <laughs> <laughs> They'll do one performance every three days because that's how long it takes to get yeah, through it. Yeah, how
0: long is the book? Like five, six hundred pages, seven hundred pages, or is it longer than that?
2: I don't even know if it's that long. I think it's just that that it's so insanely dense. A dense dance. Uh, it's
0: a dance book, yeah. It's, oh, it's oh 12, no, but it is. 12, but it is that long. 1,200 pages.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's a oh, little bit longer lord, than I was expecting.
0: That is long.
2: I think I have an abridged Dang. copy. Dang. Yeah, my, 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 my copy does not look like it has 1,200 pages in it. Leo Tolstoy. I bet it's just got super small print. I'm going to need a magnifying glass.
1: <laughs> oh, my lord. Oh yeah, Anna Karina. Karenina?
0: Or whatever you say that Karenina, Karenina. Anna Karenina.
1: There's a film literary I'm pretty sure. I think who made it? Was it Jean-Luc Godard that made one? What the book? He like
0: adapted the book for a film.
1: Yeah, there's a film of it. Uh, oh, there's multiple ones. there's lots Uh
0: whatever. we're getting off track anyways, <laughs>
1: egad <laughs> we're
0: getting off track
2: Russian epics anyways,
0: uh, yeah, I mean, the ascent i I look, I gotta be honest i shed I shed some tears um during the the hanging sequence. Um, I know that sounds really odd, but trust me, when you watch it, it is a very moving sequence. Um, yeah, very powerful, very powerful. Um, it's, yeah. And from that alone, I mean, everything leading up to that that point was masterful filmmaking uh, on the behalf of Larissa. Um it was it, it's such a beautiful film, just to look at. Too just visually, it's an incredibly beautiful film, and it's like you know, it's 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 hard to achieve that considering like the the setting. I mean, we're talking about Russian barren wasteland, the Siberia essentially in but, winter. Uh, yeah, she manages to to make it look heavenly, angelic. Yeah. Um, hey,
1: that ties into a
2: theme. I know. <laughs> Crazy
0: how that worked. <laughs> um, but yeah, I genuinely think this is a masterpiece and is going to be one of the. It's going to be at the top ten, maybe even top five, for me at the end of this year. Um. So, cause I'm, you know, I'm, I've watched a lot of great things this year already so my my top 10 is gonna be hard to like kind of sparse out and figure out okay what's what's going here what's going there
2: yeah i'm narrowing in on 50 films this year and a lot of them have been really good
0: yeah i'm at what am i at i'm at 80 78 damn trying to get 100 i'm definitely gonna hit 100 before the end of the year One of these, one of these, one of these years, my goal, one of my goals, watch, uh,
2: 365. What a day. What a day. Damn. (laughs) Or that's just a marathon and a weekend.
0: 500 films in one year. (laughs)
2: 525,600 movies. All right, we gotta get off. I'm singing Rent now. We gotta get out of here.
3: <laughs> oh boy!
0: I'm currently watching um, and uh, dude, this is also going to be at the top of my list. OJ Made in America, the documentary. Oh, really? oh it is documentary. Documentary. okay. Yeah, it's a five-part documentary. It's very long, but is that the one oh, with David Schwimmer. Oh man, it's so good. No, it's it's. It's purely a documentary. It's only oh, archival footage and interviews. Oh, my God. It's amazing. It's amazing. Heck yeah. Yeah. I would I definitely recommend watching that. If you got, like, a couple days, bro, sit down and watch that because it's incredible. I'm already, I'm only two episodes in or two parts in, I should say. So there's three more left. I haven't even gotten to the trial yet. We haven't even, the, the, fil- the
1: documentary hasn't even talked about the trial. Damn. So, yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to find time to get get stuff done. That's really all I'm at right now. I see. I am. I am at the end of my rope. No, Max. No, that's all right. I,
2: I'm. I'm just like. I'm just like uh, Reebok in the Port of body.
1: <laughs> Unsuccessful. <laughs> It's <laughs> the belt. <laughs> uh let's
2: let's try this. Attempts at hanging. Two successful attempts at hanging. None.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice try, Oy vey. buddy. OEV. Dang. Well I mean I don't really have much else to add. I don't yeah. think you do either. Unless it's been the ascent. The ascent, great film. Please watch oh, it. Yeah. Um,
0: watch it when uh, you know, you're not tired. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, because it is a slow film. It's a slow film, but you know, it's it's worth watching. Agreed. It's worth watching. Well, anyways, this has been the
0: cinematic odyssey next week. I don't know. We'll figure it out as usual. That's our M.O. We are actually going to have to. We actually did talk about planning out the next several episodes. So I think next episode we'll have a film picked out already. So oh, yeah. Guys aren't, guys aren't left in
2: the dark. Yeah. And so next yeah. week, next week is one year of the cinematic odyssey.
0: Dang, that's crazy! You know, I mean, I mean, we'll talk about it when we get there. But oh yeah, crazy, crazy. Thanks, thanks everybody for listening. Seriously, yes, thank you. And on an unrelated note, now that I think about it, since it's October, we should do a horror
1: film. Oh God, I'm gonna wet myself,
3: <laughs> and
0: I have one in mind.
1: Oh dear. <laughs>
2: Oh dear.
3: Uh, if you're worry, listening to
2: right. this point, if there's no episode next week, it's because I died. <laughs> In shock.
0: Well, anyways, thanks for thanks everybody for listening. This has been the Cinematic Odyssey.
1: Catch us next week. Um, this has been The Ascent forever.